Welcome back to Leaders of Color. My name is Sarisha, and I am the executive director and host of Leading in Color and the podcast Leaders of Color. On today's episode, we have with us Janelle Hines, who is the founder of Helping Hands, a platform to help youth volunteer and get civically engaged while building skills for their future careers. Janelle is an advocate for social innovation and encouraging others to pursue entrepreneurial endeavors. While working on her Bachelor's of Engineering in Biomedical and Electrical Engineering, Janelle realized her passion for STEM, education, entrepreneurship, and diversity issues. She founded Hack It Mac, a collaborative community to learn about technology, and organized Delta Hacks, one of the first student-run hackathons with a focus on enabling positive social change. She is now a leading diversity, equity, and inclusion advocate and consultant, helping organizations create inclusive workforces, products, and services. She is a Civic Action Diversity Fellow and was awarded United Way of Greater Toronto's Youth Leadership Award. Helping Hands provides ongoing mentorship to youth, is creating systemic change to encourage youth participation in various levels of government, sharing stories of young changemakers to encourage other youth and change the narrative, and supporting young entrepreneurs to find funding and grow their efforts. Welcome to the podcast, Janelle. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I am excited. I've listened um, and seen some of the other people that have been on this podcast and I'm just excited to be amongst them. So what is some of the work and organizing that you're doing with Helping Hands? So I can maybe get started and kind of talk a little bit about the history of Helping Hands and how I got to where I am today. Uh, I grew up in Ontario and in Ontario, in order for a student to graduate from high school, they have to do 40 hours of community service. I recognized in my school that students who came from lower socioeconomic statuses and especially newcomer households were struggling to figure out where to volunteer uh, more than some of our other peers. And I started to kind of ask friends who were going to different schools about their experiences and just realized it was quite common amongst students, regardless of the school they went to. Um, so while I was in high school, I kind of had started a school club that just helped people figure out where to volunteer. And after graduation, really then realized the problem wasn't just GTA, it was all across Ontario, um, and decided to start Helping Hands as a way to help primarily racialized and newcomer youth get engaged in their community. Um, and we really in the past couple of years that I've been doing this now, I've been uh, full-time about two and a half years on this. Um, I have kind of adapted to what trends and what problems we saw that we thought were in our ability to address. So this is a huge undertaking for someone. What are some of the challenges that you face doing this sort of work? The fact that sometimes it feels like you can be alone in this work. Um, I think a lot of the times there's while there's you know a lot of people working towards looking at youth engagement and youth unemployment, there could be a lot of silos, um, and you know particularly in the nonprofit space, um, there's this like feels like there's this fight for money. So sometimes I've tried collaborating with other organizations, and instead of them saying you know, great, let's work together. It's kind of like, oh, no, like, we're going to apply to this funding by ourselves. Um, so it just caused a lot of stress because I don't really have the capacity to hire staff. I am the only full-time staff at my organization. Uh, we're mainly all volunteer run. 
uh, which comes with a lot of its own challenges. Effectively running it by yourself and having some assistance here and there. But how do you manage that challenge and not having access to sort of the pool of resources others have access to? I'll be honest, as much as I would like to say, like, I'm doing it and it's great, I, I definitely don't think I could say that. There's definitely challenge, like a lot of challenge with that. Um, what I've kind of been working on, and it also fits in a lot with what is our mission, is really focusing on our volunteers, really customizing their role to why uh, their, like, their goals mm-hmm. Um professionally and personally so that way they feel more committed to the organization um and we're constantly always just looking for funding so i know you know this summer if we do get canada summer jobs funding um any positions will be offered to internal volunteers before it's offered externally um so i every single person that's ever come onto the team we sit down, we have conversations, find out what their goals are. Um, and we do, mean, most of our volunteers are high school students um, internally and really figuring out, like, you know, what is that thing they want? So if they mention you know, they are thinking about doing animation, then we'll figure out, okay, you can be in charge of coming up with the graphics for the social media. Um, you know, another one mentioned she's thinking she was split between journalism um, and law. Um, and so she's both going to help look at, start looking at some policy, um, but she's now actually, and she also wants to, uh, work on her leadership skills. So I actually put her in charge of our social media team. So she's both, um, getting to practice her leadership skills with other people as well as practicing her communication skills. Um, so it's, I think that's kind of what I've had to focus on, um, which that should be natural for any organization regardless of your funding. Managing the volunteers is one thing, but how do you manage sort of balancing the challenges that come with running this organization while also doing the millions of other things that you do? It's been really difficult. Um, I thankfully am a person that is quite organized, I would say. So I use like Trello, which is like this to-do app. Um, So I was up until like 3 a.m. last night uh, cleaning it up once in a while your to-dos you know kind of pile up and you're like oh my gosh uh, I put due dates on these and now the two dates have passed so it's kind of as a week uh, you know a big part of my 2020 is coming up with better processes of how I manage I actually spent my new year's I rolled out of bed grabbed my laptop and before I even had breakfast sat there and started kind of writing some goals and new processes that I thought I wanted to follow for 2020 um so a lot of it is just like looking at how efficient can I be and also starting to think of like, you know, one thing I'll admit is that when you're, I think a young activist, you see so many problems and you want to like jump to fixing everything. And at times I think I have jumped to be like, oh, well, helping hands could also do this and we can also do that and starting to realize what are the things that this organization should actually focus on um, and not trying to be, you know, distracted by trying to solve all the world's problems, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Like prioritizing what your capacity and capabilities really are at this point, I think is such a good skill to have. Is that something that you're able to do as well in your personal life balancing this? I know a lot of the time we hear people talk about what do you do for self-care? And for many racialized folks, self-care comes in the form of community care. And so is there anything in particular that you do to help with that side of your life as well? 
to be honest, I've never heard anyone phrase it like how you just did. And I'm like, I think that is my self-care. I feel, you know, if I had to have a job where I wasn't taking care of community, I would probably be in a worse mental mm-hmm. state than, you know, me having time to have bubble baths. And kind of a lot of times when people talk about self-care, they talk about those things, which definitely are self-care for some people. But I feel like I actually live off of looking after community. I would say in the past year, things really changed in my personal life. My mom, unfortunately, um, has been full-time in the hospital since May, which has also given me a lot of having to be really efficient with my time. So I know, you know, if I want to see her tonight, then I have to get X done during the day. Um, And knowing that, you know, I'm in the hospital with her, I'm with her. Sometimes I have done phone calls while I'm still in the hospital, but I think it has really made me be more efficient and really focus on what I know I want to accomplish so that I can balance looking after my family Mm -hmm. with also, you know, taking care of this organization. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all too familiar with what that circumstance is like. And so I definitely commend you for being able to handle that amidst everything else, because it is very, very difficult. What are some of the things that are fulfilling about it? So we've talked about the challenges, but with those challenges, I imagine come things that bring you joy and bring you happiness and bring you fulfillment when it comes to wanting to continue doing this work in spite of the challenges in the in and of themselves? For example, that that's such a great question because um, I'm in a position where I'm doing a lot of, you know, what's quote unquote the back end, you know, jobs. I'm, you know, worried about finance. I'm worried about outreach. I'm worried about all these duties. Um, but, you know, as a very small organization, I also am the one that does a lot of the front end work. So I get to go into schools and I get to talk to students. Um, I get to have these like mentorship conversations and it's knowing that, um, you know, students have come to me in certain places. We've, you know, had conversations and they're like, you know, now I'm thinking about this career path or now thanks to your help, um, you know, from, you know, resume to other things. Now I applied and I got into this school on this program um, has just those little tiny stories just like keep me going. And sometimes it's not even always like big wins. It's, you know, little things like, you know, my principal was racist. I'm trying to deal with this, you know, and now it's like, oh, my relationship, my principal has improved. So it's all these little things that just like keep me going. And even the little wins on people who are in my internal team, um, you know, from someone who, uh, you know, uh, was in a different, uh, she was in a different program before and then after working with me decided she actually wanted to go back to school um for tech and then I found out today she got a job at Spotify and I was like oh my gosh I'm like so excited to see like you personally grow those are the things that like keep going uh with this work and you know sometimes it's not even individuals also some we we haven't done kind of what we call our policy work um some of it hasn't been like Formal, like I, I don't have a policy background. Um, you mentioned in the show my background is in engineering, um, but I figured out, you know, how to sometimes just have conversations with people and get them thinking in a different way. And we've started to see some impact um, at uh, the federal level of the way that that they are youth engagement strategy based on think conversations I've had with employees um, and staff members at the government, and to know that. You know, it's not like we're going to get any public credit credit for this, but knowing that we were able to accomplish it just makes me happy. And so what is it like to see these young people who you've invested 
time and energy and perhaps even funds in succeed at this level. I know for me, like we're pretty similar in age and I'm on the latter end, I guess, of the youth spectrum. Um, But what is it like to see that investment, I guess, both personally um, and tangibly speaking, uh, come to fruition? I think, you know, these are the ones that even just today I was talking to someone um, and we're talking about, you know, why there needs to be more mentorship programs. I was saying there's a lot of, I think a lot of times people expect, you know, students um, to have everything together. I was given an example of, we have students who sometimes email and, you know, they're looking for a volunteer and looking for a job. There's no body, they'll send emails. There's no, you know, text in the body. It's just, you know, a subject and people, adults are like, oh my gosh, this is so inappropriate. I'm like, but has anyone taught them how to talk, how to write a proper email? How did you learn how to write a proper email? Mm -hmm. Like you were in the workforce. You probably, you know, were introduced to email as your job changed you know, these kids are used to texting. That's a certain way of messaging. They just need someone to teach them. And, you know, particularly working with youth in a a lower socioeconomic households or newcomer households, their parents aren't familiar with, you know, the corporate world or possibly, you know, the way Canadian society interacts with each other. So who's that person to teach them at home? Um, And so like for us, it's so beneficial to see that, you know, sometimes it's those little things that they just needed advice on being like, you know, when you go to a networking event, this is what you should do, or this is advice on how to, you know, improve your resume. And I think, you know, it just shows me that the government needs to kind of focus a lot on these different programs that help people from the beginning. And one joke that we've kind of called our program is like pre, you know, have um, preventative healthcare that talks about, you know, how do we make sure people are mm-hmm. healthier so that way it causes it doesn't cause less health problems down the road down the road of mm-hmm. joking that we're preventative on employment saying like what are those things that you can do for a really young person that make sure when they're ready to look for a job that they have those skill sets and because we're looking at a very young age like since we're working with high schools it's actually before most employment programs work most employment programs if you look at them especially in Ontario mm-hmm. um, based on funding they only help you if you're out of school um you know you're between certain age and out of school. But if you're in school and still trying to figure out how to get employed, there's not really as many services for you. Um, so for us, it's like kind of figuring out that balance of how do we make sure we're, mentor- like we're doing that mentorship, but also talking to government about, or just like, you know, decision makers. Cause we also have talked to people who work for, at foundations to have you thought about shifting your programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And like figuring out where you can fit into that sort of like niche gap that exists to fill that space, I think, is something really unique as well. Is there any particular instance that you can recall where that really paid off, like being the person to do this work and to um, effectively be the only one in these communities doing that sort of work? Has there been a specific time that you recall was like most um, being like, yes, we actually did this and accomplished it? Yeah, I guess this is the first time I'll share it with anyone because I realize it's one of those things I'm really bad. I think it's, you know, as a woman of color, we're kind of sometimes really bad at, you know, accom- like showing off our accomplishments. Uh, last, um, I remember the day, I feel like it was December the 18th of not last, not 2019, but 2018. Um, there was a article came out that was talking about all these cuts that um, the Ontario government just announced specifically to education. As someone heavily involved in education, I you know went to quickly read it and they were had a bullet point of all these different programs the government had cut. 
and you know that day obviously different news outlets covered it I realized one of them was around a program called speak up and no one was everyone's fighting for all these different bullet points but no one was talking about speak up speak up was a program that the Ontario government would give students Um, it changed depending on the year but as of the last year that they ran it $2,500 to run successful like school projects so it could have been a club, it could have been a one-day community event. And I feel near and dear to that project because when I was in high school, I got $800 to run a mental um, mental, mental wellness day, which back then wasn't, you know, a super like popular thing to, you know, people to talk about mental wellness. And for the past couple of years, it wasn't. And for the past couple of years, we've been actually... Um, working with students one-on-one like this is wasn't work that was funded this was work that you know I just decided I wanted to do um, so we were sharing with students letting them know this funding existed helping them with their application process so everything from their grammar to figuring out you know how do you find a, stu- uh, a teacher advisor to how do you work on your budget um, to how do you make sure you're getting your mission across in this application um, to if they got the money then helping making sure that they felt confident in their leadership skills to actually run the school clubs and it you know we did everything from um, mental wellness uh, to career clubs to women's empowerment and to get that message and see that the government said they're cutting this funding was heartbreaking that day I decided right away what could I do to try to combat this so I started reaching out finding people not only the youth we had worked with but trying to find stories of people who had gotten the grant from this and um, collected all these stories and then actually found reporters and tried sharing it. I had no clue what I was doing. I had never reached out to a reporter in my life before this day. Um, So I basically spent uh, even Christmas day in the middle of trying to cook, you know, a turkey and all that stuff, um, getting all these stories together. And eventually we did get some reporters, um, on board who are ready to share the story. But at the same time, we were also reaching out to some school board trustees. Um, good news to share is that the government, while they did cut that money, they came back with that money in a different format. So before it directly went to the students, this time it went to the school boards. Um, so then we're like, okay, challenge one, done. We got the money back, but now, you know, before it was amazing because students could directly apply to it. And we had a story um, you know, where a student in the previous year wanted to apply, but because their principal, you know, unfortunately um, was discriminatory, they weren't allowed, to, they weren't even allowed to apply for the money. So we recognized that there would be all these challenges. So successfully, um, we were able to work with a trustee um, that, you know, was responding to our messages over Christmas break um, to say that for that school board, that they would open it in a Google Doc that any student could apply Um, for that funding Um, so at least that one for us was such a success to realize that no one was going to fight for this money because it wasn't directly going to fund anybody's job because unfortunately a lot of times when it comes to these cuts the people who obviously look out for it the most is because they're directly impacted by this and knowing that no one else was really going to fight to make sure these students were getting money like we you know for us as an organization there was no impact on us um, so that for me, that was kind of the one to know that while I had no holiday, at least I'm happy that, you know, students were able to get that money. Um, and, you know, we're hoping that for the next school year, 
that hopefully we can kind of convince them to go back to their old model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that is definitely worth uh, losing some holiday time over is a great success to have. What are some of the upcoming opportunities you have for young people to get involved in with Helping Hands? Yeah, so we're always looking for volunteers. Um, and we have, I said, multiple different projects going on. So we have our um, policy work, which is actually, you know, for me going to be the first time we're going to do some written policy. We're actually looking at the city of Toronto. Um, we started looking at what I'm, I, I call citizen committees. So this is you know, everything from looking at the citizens who sit on, so not city staff, but citizens who sit on like boards talking about the libraries to talking about art and trying to actually look at what are the policies for people to apply to those and how could we make them more youth friendly. Um, so not only youth, uh, youth that are under 18, but also young professionals, because for a lot of these different positions, that's a great way to build your skill set and build your resume. Um, so people who are interested in joining that project um, we're always looking for people to be mentors to other high school students um, and when it comes to just talking to them about what are their goals for volunteering. Because um, what I kind of mentioned, we had some impact at the federal level. So we were the like, kind of one of the first organizations to look at volunteering as a way to build your skill set. So every student that we match to other organizations to volunteer is all based on a skill that they want uh, that they want to improve on. So they can say, you know, I'm interested in art but I want to improve my communication skills. So you might match them to like a museum um, as a tour guide um, so that people can join that project. Um, and kind of when I mentioned that speak up and that grant and helping students, you know, write, work on the club, we actually want to formalize that process. So we're actually trying to see if we can get some funding so we can actually start, uh, you know, the first uh, entrepreneurial incubator focus on student leadership at that high school level. Um, so there's so many different ways people can get involved um, and, you know, recognizing that, you know, if you want to be on the communications team or um, if you want to just, you know, practice your administrative skills and, you know, how and how how to write proper emails. There's all these ways that I customize volunteer positions based on people's like interests. That's great. So it sounds like there's a wide breadth of things for folks listening to get involved in. Where can they find out more information about Helping Hands and figure out a way to get in touch? Yeah, so you can find Helping Hands at helpinghandsapp.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Janelle. It was great talking with you. It was great talking to you. And, you know, I just want to end off, you know, knowing that a lot of the, you know, listeners on this are women of color. And as a woman of color, I say, you know, really go try to find people that you know you believe in and those people that believe in you but also recognize that you know if someone doesn't believe in you and they were telling you that you know they think your idea is stupid um critically like critically analyze why are they saying that to you i had a lot of people tell me oh like why are you doing helping hands you know especially say my background's engineering um you know i'm not academically you know, someone trained in the social services, but I recognized I wanted to do it. I was going to learn the skills that I needed to do. And I would say the biggest thing I always talk about, because the other part I, I didn't mention is I do a lot of public speaking, um, particularly focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, you know, the biggest thing I say is go, don't only talk about find yourself a mentor, find yourself a sponsor. So someone who's actually willing to open doors for you. So I do this myself through, um, you know, for people that, I sponsors, for example, the one that I mentioned, 
um, you know, has the job at Shopify uh, now is when she was thinking about making that switch into that tech world, I reached out to my contacts and found, got her free tickets to a really big conference. Um, So kind of finding those people who are willing to open those doors for you and not just give you advice. Wise words from a very successful young woman of color. Thank you so much again for joining us. And we look forward to hearing from the rest of you next time.